Hi, everyone. Welcome to Detox Podcast. This is episode 18, and it's called Anglerfish. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, I think, is the day that uh, Pick Your Poison goes live, the, the ebook. You can order it on Amazon.com or .ca or wherever you are in the world. Pick Your Poison by Denise Walker, and you can pre-order it as an ebook, and it'll get downloaded right onto your Kindle, onto your Kindle app, on your phone, what have you, uh, right on November 20th. That will be my 19th month sober. That's the day. So I hope you do that. I hope you like that, and then you can carry around the poems wherever you want to go, and you don't have to have a paper book, uh, even though I am quite partial to paper. Um, I've always been a paper fan, so I'm sorry if you can hear weird noises in my apartment. There's like people like running water in other apartments, and, like playing music, shuffling around and like closing doors. And I keep thinking it's my boyfriend coming home, but it's not, or maybe it is and he's just being really creepy. Um, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, here is anglerfish. When I was 17, David instructed us to sit in a horseshoe, a semicircle of safe space. One by one, we took our turn on the spot of grass at the opening. We held onto the feel of the cool blades under our bare feet and how they irritated the skin of our short, short clad thighs. We tried to be calm, tried to steady our nerves, though we were anx anxiously charged, all of us, during our turn on the stage. My turn was first. Affirmations, one at a time, rang out from each of my peers. My job was to sit, listen, and soak them in. To this day, there is only one that I still remember, from Grayson. You're a placid, like a lake, he said. So calm and still on the surface, yet so much more going on beneath. Maybe he got it from a TV show, or a book he'd read. Maybe he said it to every girl, or maybe it was the nicest thing anyone had ever said. Eight years later, and I'm still that placid lake, but the parts below are miles deeper, 36 kilometers to be exact, like our ocean. There are underwater mountain ranges and sunken ships, lost souls and broken bones, treasure if you can find it. Atop the eddies, I float, sunglasses, a smile, arms starfished wide, but when I'm below, where we often ask, is there even a bottom? I'm something far more sinister, made of spiny bones and terror teeth. A light, a part of me, the only beacon to be seen. Don't be fooled. It doesn't guide the way. It seeks out prey as predator seeks out me. Because down there, where it's too dark to see, there isn't a witness to my greed. So this is based on a true story. This happened. This affirmation that was given to me uh, by a friend. And uh, I used to go every summer to this United Church camp. Uh, in Naramata, BC. If you're familiar with the Okanagan at all, uh, you have your, you know, your Kelowna, you have your Penticton. If you keep going up the lakeside about 15, 20 minutes, you, the road ends and you get to Naramata village. It's a tiny little village. It's beautiful. And they have this United Church Center there. And it's fallen on some hard times in recent years. It's starting to pick back up. But basically, since I was like a toddler up until I was mm, 19, 20, I, I went almost every single year. Um, 
it was an integral part of my life. It really was. Uh, they had these really cool programs uh, for different grade groups, like uh, grades one through three. And basically it was whatever you grade, whatever grade you were going into in the fall, that's what you would go into. And um, the ones for uh, high school were really great because, you know, we're more mature and we start thinking and talking about really important topics, um, social topics, learning how to be a more like centered person, really drawing on spirituality. It wasn't really God-based, you know, the United Church isn't so much, it's more spirituality and community. Uh, so I really um, resonated with that back then. And learning about myself, learning how to be introspectual and uh, learning how to not be so reactive. And it was really an amazing thing. They had these, um, affirmations during that time where everybody would have sort of this like brown paper bag and everybody would write on this strip of paper little affirmations um, about each other like oh I really like the way you compliment people or oh I really like the way you listen or you are really beautiful or just like little little snippets that uh, you'd all put them in each other's paper bags and you didn't have to do one for everyone if you didn't feel inclined but so those were um, anonymous. Now when I moved into the young adult program, which was grades, um, or sorry, ages 18 to 24, that's when things got real. We didn't do little paper bag affirmations. We did, you're sitting in a circle and one person is at the opening of the circle and people are saying affirmations aloud to you right into your eyes. And as 18 year olds, that's terrifying. I remember it was really cool. Uh, we had this one part of the program during the week. It's a week long. You just do like morning sections and then you just have afternoons all to yourselves to do whatever you want. Um, so in one of our morning, morning programs, just this one exercise with our facilitator where we all stood in a circle and we were invited whenever we felt ready to just walk into the middle of the circle and just stand there. And it was so weird because we did this at the very first day of the week and almost no one went into the circle. There was like nobody, like a few people had the guts to just walk into the circle and stand there. And by the end of the week, every single person without hesitation ran into the middle of that circle, took up all this space, was this beautiful, big human just in a week of being steeped in this reflection time and this um, courage building and centering activities. It was just so interesting to me to watch that unfold. And um, it really instilled in me that there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing um, holding me back except for myself from that weird moment between feeling okay to take up space and not. Um, so this moment, I was sitting in that circle. This is actually not even my first time. It's, it's weird because it's, it can be easier to dole out affirmations and compliments to people than it is to take them. Um, it's weird to just kind of like be sitting there on this sort of stage where people are just throwing amazing, beautiful comments to you. It doesn't happen too much, you know, like it's not a, that's not things that people do every day. 
Um, but it felt amazing. And I still hold on to that one thing. It was so weird. You are placid like a lake. So calm on the surface, yet so much going on beneath. I felt so seen. And I don't know if it was a line. I don't know if he'd heard it somewhere else and he was just recycling it. But I chose to believe that he wasn't. It was so on point. Because back then, I was really quiet. I was a very timid, um, introverted person who didn't really open up to strangers. I didn't open up to um, people right away. I was quiet. And so he saw right through. He was like, you are so still and calm and unchanged and unmoving on the surface. But oh, beneath, there is this depth. And I've held on to that. I've held on to that as a very integral part of my identity. Yeah, on the outside, I am. I can be very calm and level and balanced. I mean, not all the time. I get that. Okay. But I, the depths of me are endless. We don't even know if there's a bottom, right? Just like the ocean on the earth. I'm pretty sure I might be wrong on this, but I don't think they've found the bottom. I don't think that anyone's been to the bottom of the ocean. And if they have, it's been recent, right? Like, it's so deep. We don't even know what's down there. And like, can I get a shout out for the anglerfish? How cool are they? Oh my god. Like, you know what an anglerfish is, right? Like, it's that thing from Finding Nemo with the like, crazy jaw that's just with this like crazy teeth that like would cut your head off in one bite right and it's got this beacon this like little like fishing rod thing that sticks out of his head with a light and it's i think it's bioluminescent and that's what happens it's way down in the depths and it attracts its prey with this light and then it eats it it's not a guiding light, you know, for a benefit for the little fish that is just, I don't know, looking for hope down there in the deep, dark sea. It's going to get eaten. And that is what I felt like in addiction. Like, I have this beautiful image of myself as this stoic presence with so much beneath me. So many things under the surface and for a while that felt amazing right like that felt so mysterious you know um but then it got to a point where yeah there's a lot going on underneath but nobody knows about it i don't talk about it i don't feel seen like i did that day on the grass There's a lot of pain and terror and just like these things like sunken ships of like dreams that once were and just crashed in a storm and sunk right down to the bottom and all the sailors are dead and the things they were carrying are spewed all out on the bottom of the sea and could never be recovered. There's bones everywhere. There's just, it's, it's a mess. It's a, just a gigantic mess. And how could, how could I ask anybody to come down there? No one's been down there. 
how are we going to recover that? Is it possible? I don't know, but I started to get seduced by the darkness of it. The idea that I had this dark side, like there's this thing inside of me that nobody knows, nobody can see. I don't even know the real depths of it. And nobody, when I'm down there, when I flip that switch, when I take away sobriety and I enter into drunkenness, when I become intoxicated, I am underwater. And I am both prey and predator simultaneously chasing and running for my life. And there's nobody to witness that. When I was 17, David instructed us to sit in a horseshoe, a semicircle of safe space. One by one, we took our turn on the spot of grass at the opening. We held on to the feel of the cool blades under our bare feet and how they irritated the skin of our short, short clad thighs. We tried to be calm, tried to steady our nerves, though we were anxiously charged, all of us, during our turn on the stage. My turn was first. Affirmations, one at a time, rang out from each of my peers. My job was to sit, listen, and soak them in. To this day, there is only one that I still remember, from Grayson. You're placid, like a lake, he said. So calm and still on the surface, yet so much more going on beneath. Maybe he got it from a TV show, or a book he'd read. Maybe he said it to every girl, or maybe it was the nicest thing anyone had ever said. Eight years later, I am still that placid lake, but the parts below are miles deeper, 36 kilometers to be exact, like our ocean. There are underwater mountain ranges and sunken ships, lost souls and broken bones, treasure if you can find it. Atop the soft eddies I float, sunglasses, a smile, arms starfished wide. But when I'm below, where we often ask, is there even a bottom? I'm something far more sinister, made of spiny bones and terror teeth, a light, a part of me, the only beacon to be seen. Don't be fooled. It doesn't guide the way. It seeks out prey as predators seeks out me. Because down there, where it's too dark to see, there isn't a witness to my greed.